I, I brought along a couple friends for this podcast. Oh crap! It's a baby. It's a baby prostitute. It's the LOL surprise doll. <laughs> why? <laughs> why is this doll wearing? This doll is supposedly a baby, and yet is wearing fishnet stockings. So this is an LOL surprise. And then whatever this one. Do you know what this one is? That has the the ratty ass hair. Is that a brat? The face is printed onto this like cloth <laughs> head, <laughs> and it has a lot of makeup on, and and again, really really long ratty ass hair. And these are dolls supposedly for small girls, like five year olds. Oh, and they love them. Nelly they has a doll. Dolls. Nelly has a um, LOL surprise dollhouse up in her room, and she has the LOL surprise dolls, the LOL surprise boy dolls. In the LOL OMG dolls, which are like LOL surprise dolls, but really tall. But it's disturbing <laughs> because, I mean, at least with Barbie, right? I mean, even if they're not realistic proportions, it is an adult, a sexually de- a developed adult. Mm-hmm. You look at mm-hmm. that doll, and it's like a, it's like a little baby's running around wearing just fishnets and lots of makeup, and it just brings bad things twi- to mind. This is, it's, twisted. it's twisted. This is really, really twisted. But and the yet- girls love them. Here's the conundrum as a parent. Your innocent children really love something that seems inappropriate, but they love it and they don't know yet, right? So are you going to yeah. like be the person to like take that joy out of their lives? I mean, I clearly decided not to be that guy. So. <laughs> yeah, they're disturbing oh, though. I think we can agree on that. All right, so <laughs> I am a pixelated middle finger. And I am Zippity-Doo Doug. And welcome to... Planet of the Meerkats. What are we talking about today, dude? talking about kid shows uh, ones that we dislike don't although like. yeah. i gotta say i'm gonna bring up some that i i find funny yeah i mean me too i think a lot of my dislike for kid shows has to do with the repetitiveness because yeah. when my kids like something they like it over and over and over and over there's only so many times you can watch finding nemo or monsters inc and they're great movies but like eventually you just don't want to hear about it anymore also, you you have two kids, and, and your kids were separated by five years, six years? Five and a half years, yeah. Five and a half years. So you had to go through the whole cycle, <laughs> and then you got to the end, and you were like, I'm almost out of this like ridiculous kid show cycle, and then you went right back into it. So I think for you, you've had double that misery. They overlapped in the LOL surprise by like two weeks. <laughs> And <laughs> Abigail and Nellie went in together and bought this elaborate dollhouse that I put together. And then two weeks later, Abigail's like, I'm done with these. I don't play with dolls anymore. So Nellie got all of the stuff. So you put together a list of bad, annoying kids shows. And I agreed with, with most of these. I added I added one on the end that we'll get to. But I mean, as we've, as we've addressed before, Caillou has got to be at the top of this list. because Oh, that kid just, is so whiny. He's annoying. Well, it is funny because like I went out to a couple subreddits and asked people's feedback, and in every case, somebody came back. They're like, "Oh, Caillou, kid." I mean, <laughs> he is so whiny, and I get that he's supposed to be like the way a child is, but he's also 
teaching kids how to act. Mm-hmm. The more a kid, more a kid watches Caillou, there's a direct correlation, a direct mm-hmm. causation, I would say, between the amount of whining they do and the amount of Caillou they watch. Shouldn't kids go to their shows to learn about a way to be and a way, the way to be in the world and, and mm-hmm. the, a way to act and a way to kind of level up? I mean, for all of the annoyingness of a lot of the shows on here, the the protagonists are problem solvers or they're incredibly intelligent and empathetic and, and Mm -hmm. like they're, they're trying to, they're trying to impart something to kids, even if they're annoying. Whereas Caillou has, has no like positive lesson. (laughs) There's no no redeeming qualities. There's no redeeming qualities. (laughs) It it, it recently uh, was canceled. So they're not making any new episodes as, as happens with kid shows. Those that original run is going to haunt parents for a long, long Mm -hmm. time. What is your beef with Cat in the Hat? First of all, I'm not a Martin Short fan, and he does the voice of the cat. But he shows up every day, and he's like, hey, kids, you want to go on this crazy adventure? So essentially, it's a stranger, right? So I picture a kid playing in their backyard, and a dude in the cat costume shows up. He's like, hey, kids, you want to go play in a volcano? Go ask your parents. And so they go ask their parents, and because it's crazy, the parents are like, oh, sure, go play in a volcano. And then the kids leave, and they go with the cat. Like, this is encouraging kids to go off with strangers. And then on top of that, the proportions of the kids will just look off. They look like they all have diseases or something. <laughs> like encephalitis. Like, their heads are just way too big. In a way now, that doesn't clear, look right. Now, is it clear in the show that it, it's a man wearing a cat costume? Or does it legit look like like a, a anthropomorphic cat? It looks like an anthropomorphic cat, like in the book. I mean, I think it's supposed to be that, but like... If 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 not that I would do this because I am not a pedophile, but if I was somebody who went around and wanted to kidnap <laughs> kids, I would dress like the cat in the hat and be like, "Loop de doo, you want to come with me? We can go play in a volcano." And the kids would be like, "Yeah!" And then they they jump in the car. It just it seems to really counter all of the lessons we give our kids about stranger danger. I mean, if I saw an anthropomorphic cat, though, I'd at least be curious. Well, you know what? I would assume it was a person wearing makeup, and I would be like, "What the hell are you doing around my kids?" Get out of my backyard. <laughs> uh, so continuing on in the in the feline realm, we've got Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which, if you've never seen it before, is a continuation of Mr. Rogers' Extended Universe. It's basically, what would you call that? The MRU? The MRU. <laughs> the, MR, the MREU. <laughs> uh, so Daniel Tiger was, was, a, was a puppet in the original Mr. Rogers show. No, I don't think he actually was. Prince Wednesday or Prince Tuesday or something was. And this is like Oh, Daniel Tiger was just like a sock or something on set. I don't know what he was. I don't even I don't even think he was in it, but like it's based in that that universe of the land of make believe. He and his yeah. family don't wear pants, so that's disturbing. They have tiger skin curtains. That'd be like me Whoa, having like I know. curtains up with made of human skin or that looked like they were made of human skin. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know, Dave, we've been friends for a long time, but if I came to your house and you had human skin curtains, <laughs> I would have to call the FBI. <laughs> you come to my house, I have human skin curtains, and I'm walking around in a cat suit. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> wow. It, there, there's, been, there's a long history of cartoon characters not wearing pants. You've got your yeah. Donald Duck, which, of course, has inspired the phrase Donald Duck in it, which I say to my wife all the time. <laughs> Uh, Donald well, Duck and put some pants on. That's the beauty of Zoom because I'm Donald Duck in it right now. You just don't know it. <laughs> don't pull a uh, 
Don't pull a Jeffrey Tubin on us. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one show on this list where I was like, I, I get it. It's it's annoying in the sense that you have to watch it all the time. But for the age group that the kids are watching this, it's it like, oh, it like perfectly nails it. Like it keeps them captivated for a long time. So. And Brahman took the same issue. And I think I'm being too hard on Daniel's Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. Um, but I feel like was Daniel Tiger gave me precious moments of respite from <laughs> from being the parent of a two or three year old. Okay. Have you heard of Uncle Grandpa? I have not. I have no he's idea thankful. what this is, but I'm he's intrigued. Every, he's everybody's uncle and everybody's grandpa. And he is what by does that far even mean? He's, he is the most annoying cartoon character in existence. Like, he's just deliberately stupid to a level that I don't think any other cartoon is. And I see why kids like it, because they like the deliberately stupid sort of aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it's just really bad and really annoying. I've never heard of Wonder Pets either. Okay, Wonder Pets is way too cute for its own good. So it takes place in a classroom. There's three there's three classroom pets that live together. There's a duck, there's a turtle, and there's like a gerbil or a hamster or something. Do and they the live cla- in the classroom? They do. They live in like a terrarium and the okay. class takes care of them. They're like the, the class pets. But every episode they sing the same songs over and over again. And they go and they help an animal into trouble. Uh-huh. And I get the appeal for kids, right? It's something that's solid, it's consistent. You know when you watch Wonder Pets, you're gonna tune in. And they're going to sing the theme song. And then they're going to be like, oh, there's an animal in trouble. And they sing that song. Then they go help the animal get out of trouble. And then they come back and then repeat. And that is literally every episode. (laughs) (laughs) But like it is like if you've taken it's it's cute to like the nth degree to the to the point where it's just cloying. And mm-hmm. I've, I've probably seen every episode of Wonder Pets two or three times. I'm thankful in this moment that my kid doesn't really watch stuff on repeat. Yeah. It sounds like our kids just have very different viewing habits. <laughs> so do you want to tell me about Chelsea? I don't know if this is actually the name of the show, but the, the main protagonist is Chelsea. This It's an Australian show. It's just a YouTube series that like some child produces. Obviously, her family is helping her, but... Yeah. Or it's an adult that make that does all these voices. I don't know. The show is just this person on a green screen walking these Barbie dolls around and then narrating <laughs> these shows. But it's notable because of the like super thick Australian accent. Nice. Oh no, Tommy, don't do that. It's like <laughs> it's like that the whole time. And it was annoying. <laughs> But then I started to like it, like, because the plots are actually pretty good. <laughs> oh, I love your Australian accent. Bronwyn's going to totally hit you next time she sees you. <laughs> but like, no, that's what it sounds like, though. It's not even, it's not even me doing that. It's just like, yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I just say, like, I'll randomly walk upstairs now when Emily's working and I'll just go, oh, no, just to see if I can make her laugh during a Zoom call. I have some honorable mentions. I have Angelina Ballerina, which is a show about a girl who is literally obsessed with ballet to the point where it's pathological. Barney, which I think was well-documented back in the 90s, how much people hated all the songs and stuff. Wait, is that still on? It is. I don't know if they're making new episodes, but it's still around. It's on all the streaming services, and Nelly likes Barney. What about Teletubbies? Is Teletubbies still on? It is, it, but the the little kid whose face is in the sun is like a lawyer uh-huh. or something. 
<laughs> oh, geez. Uh, he's 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 running he's running like a crypto investment firm or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he grew up to be uh, Russ Heidemann in Silicon Valley. So th- there's the whole Bratz LOL surprise monster high where they all look like prostitutes and they have the the body shape and proportions of somebody who has really bad scoliosis and doesn't get enough food. Oh man, I don't think we can say prostitute anymore, Dave. I think it's sex worker. Um, well, I do mean it. I don't. I, I would not. I would not. If I was talking to an actual prostitute or about an actual prostitute, I probably would not call them that. I wouldn't refer to them by their job at all. But I do mean it pejoratively in relation to these kids' show characters. So, so this this LOL surprise doll that I have right here is one of the peeing ones. Like it has a hole <laughs> here. If you take its head off. It has a little tube that goes... So you're supposed to suck the water into its head, put the head back onto the body, which has a tube that attaches to the head, and then the water drains from the tube and then pees. Uh, moving on, uh, I've never heard of bubble guppies, but now it's I'm like curious. discount snorks. You remember the snorks, which were okay, discount okay, smurfs gotcha, under the ocean? Gotcha. Yeah. And then you've got Chuggington, which is discount Thomas. Yeah, but it, it's confusing because Chuggington's like the Disney one, so you'd think it would be... A number one, but it's really just a bad ripoff of Thomas. It's terrible. Thomas is so classic. I actually like really liked Thomas because it was so weird. Like it was the weirdest show I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, and in the the old versions of it, it was like actual trains and it was sped up Mm -hmm. and just really strange. And they had Ringo Starr and George Carlin on it at various times. Mm -hmm. There was an article in the New Yorker a few years ago about Thomas and how it represented this like authoritarian worldview about (laughs) how people how people like deserve punishment and the example (laughs) they used was this train that did something bad and so as punishment they like put him in in a mountain and bricked off the rails so he could never escape and it was like (laughs) some some cask of amontillado shit there yeah (laughs) it's really like i mean (laughs) that's the thing is if you delve any deeper into any of these things like like they're and like it's just you can't really look too deeply into them. So my question is, right, the island of Soto, where Thomas takes place, is supposed to be a small uh, island. How many trains do you need? Like, there are literally dozens of trains on the small island. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed, man. They can, they, they're ready for, like, any situation. Like, you need, you need to build, like, a skyscraper in, in 40 minutes. We've got the trains to do it. So have you watched Peppa Pig? Have I watched Peppa Pig? And I've watched okay. Ben and Holly's too. Yeah, both of those. Yeah. So I'll admit, it's I can see why people would be annoyed with it. I think it's actually pretty sweet, and like I kind of appreciate the level that it talks to kids at. And I really like Mrs. Rabbit and how she does literally all the jobs in town. Mm-hmm. But when Nellie was sick, I went and bought a bunch of Peppa Pig DVDs, and I just remember like that getting her through her illness. So that, like. Mm-hmm. As much as people might find Peppa Pig annoying, like it, it's always going to kind of have a special spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Peppa Pig and Ben and Holly's. I I know that they have a lot of the same voice actors. They have all the same voice actors. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but um, I, I don't know. It's just like down home wholesome. It's meat and potatoes fare, and it's but but it's funny too. Ben and Holly's, I feel like, has a little bit more of a absurdist edge to it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's about, like, fairies and stuff. I don't know that it makes a lot of sense. It's just, like, fairies, they get in fairy adventures or something. 
So, <laughs> so when I first saw it, I was like, "Wait, is this in Peppa?" I, like I heard it from across the room. Yeah, you're. Like, I was like, "Oh, she's watching Peppa Pig," and I was like, "Wait, this isn't Peppa Pig." What? Yeah, it's it's pretty confusing when you're like, "Wait, huh? Wait, why are they all the same voices?" But the kids don't notice; they don't care. No. So let no. tell me about the tell me about the people who make these videos that you hate. These are all adults. I guess here's my thing: like someone's got to make kids content, right? Yeah. So I don't necessarily have a problem with adults creating the content. I mean, every show, every scripted show I've ever watched was made by adults, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is this content is just so half-assed. And it feels like these people, you know, they're just kind of like, they don't, they don't even care about what they're doing. So, I mean, I'm going to start with an example, like probably the most egregious example, Blippi. Blippi is what you get if you animated a literal piece of shit. (laughs) And then it's saying incessantly about horses. It's like one of those crappy teachers who only teaches because they couldn't do anything else and give the rest of the teachers a bad name. This guy has zero talent. He's highly annoying. Like, I would not let this person anywhere near my kids. But he goes on tour and, like, people bring their kids to see him live by the thousands. And yet it's it a feature, out- not a bug. They love him because of that. But he's not even the one that goes on tour, apparently. He sends a body double out to, to tour. What? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Wasn't so, there like a didn't Blippy have a whole controversy about in real yeah, life? Or... He, he had like he had like scat videos or something. <laughs> Man. Something really weird. But you know, I'm not gonna kink shame Blippy. It's okay if you if you like to be like, you know, strapped to a a wooden device with, with your cock in a in a like a vice grip <laughs> or something like that. But don't also be a guy that makes kids' videos and do that because yeah. that's confusing. Hey. You know what? Consenting adults, you do what you want. But so there's all these families that have like these content farms and they, you know, when they start doing this, they got to post a video like every day. Like are the parents unemployed and why is there never any furniture or pictures on the walls? These are like the barest, most sparsely decorated houses. Because I've ever they seen. buy, they buy these houses just for the filming. So, so the, these, these videos are like porn for toddlers. Because they're like, they, look, can't they love mommy, this. They can't. Why can't my mommy and daddy play with me all the time like that mommy and daddy? Well, because your mommy and daddy have jobs and things to do like normal people. And Ryan's toy video, toy reviews. So they use this platform to shill the worst, most overpriced, bottom of the barrel piece of shit toys ever. And his parents are the ones who truly make this channel unbearable. And I'm not going to talk crap about Ryan because he's a kid. It's not his fault. He, and it looks like he doesn't even want to do it anymore. Like they're dragging him to do this. And, you know, he, he's like starting to grow facial hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly uh, the thing. Cause the, the parents are doing this for them really. And not for the kids. They want to get rich. Yep. That's exactly it. And I just, I, I can't, I can't abide it. All right. So I want to tell you about the worm Jesus video. <laughs> I know last week I referenced this and I had said that yes. I'd only, I'd only heard the audio. I didn't quite believe that it was really worms. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it's really worms so it's three worms that are dressed weird one of them has like bangs and the other one is wearing overalls it's really strange but then they, they go to this old worm whose name is holy and holy has a holy bible and is reading stories about jesus is he like really small and the bible's big or does he have a worm-sized bible no no it's a worm-sized bible okay <laughs> everything is worm-sized but okay. they live in a library and i think they live inside of a book which is weird because it's like maybe the librarian should beyond this like get some fumigation going on because there's a obviously an infestation within the library of like bookworms like that used to be a big problem yeah yeah but then they go they cut to the videos and jesus is not a worm so 
that okay. was kind of a bummer because I wanted Jesus to be a worm. Well, and I got a question why they're so excited about Jesus. I don't think it was established in the Bible that Jesus died for anyone's sins other than humans. So yeah. I don't think worms were included in, in his grace when he uh, was crucified. Uh, I think the, so the these worms thing, are getting excited over nothing. They're they're going straight to hell. Exactly. One of the weirdest things about it was like they kind of gave Pontius Pilate a pass. They were like, "There's this whole narrative in there about how like the people turned against Jesus because the the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees." The Pharisee, yeah, yeah. And Pontius was like, "Well, I know that like Jesus didn't do anything wrong, but I'm not going to get turned against the will of the people. So let's just kill him." And it's like. <laughs> Why are you giving him a pass? I don't well, know. In the, in, like in the Bible, choice. he literally like washes his hands of the situation. But there, there's, I mean, there's a lot of theological implications because of that. And a lot of the anti-Semitism that was, well, I was going to say around during the Crusades and, you know, mm -hmm. the Spanish Inquisition and now, uh, a lot of that anti-Semitism is rooted in in that fact so the the blame is taken away from sort of the the roman stand-in and mm -hmm. put back on the jews yeah so he's given a pass he's given a pass in the bible and in most christian theology yeah now have you watched have you had the pleasure of watching troom troom wow you know i don't know i think i probably have because i read your synopsis and it feels it feels pretty <laughs> familiar so like uh, my question when i was watching these because they never talk and there's just a narrator and the narrator mm -hmm. is really shrill like, why is she so shrill? Uh, and it, I, like, they, everybody kind of looks vaguely Eastern European. And I looked it up, and it probably is filmed in the Ukraine. So that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Um, and that's what it answers one of my questions. Like, why is everybody so white? It's like, because it's mm -hmm. in a white place. Mm -hmm. um, but they teach important lessons, such as, what if you, being an ice princess, are forced to be roommates with a fire princess? What if you and your friend like the same boy? Uh, and they include the worst do-it-yourself instructions I've ever seen. So, like, the teacher won't let you eat in class, make edible school supplies, glue shit to your phone, do-it-yourself lipstick, hide test answers on your phone. It's like the teacher's not going to notice you pulling your I phone know. out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the pranks are really dumb. Like, replace ice cream with a light bulb, put hair dye inside of a shower head, Nutella slime. Like Now, is, is this one of those, so, you know, there's supposedly these, like, Eastern European video factories that are using AI to, like, pump out these videos that are just kind of, like, combining yeah. these elemental pieces together to create other videos. Is this from that same vein, or? I don't think so, because it's actual real people, and so there are people coming into the studio literally every day to film oh, okay. new videos. Okay. So I now, haven't seen this. Then. I did go in, I did view one of those videos that you're talking about. And mm -hmm. you used to be all over the place on YouTube when Abigail was mm -hmm. little. I actually took some notes on one. So first off, the video was 34 minutes long. <laughs> and the soundtrack is almost entirely Mommy Finger, Daddy Finger, sung by kids with Indian accents. Oh, yeah. I, I, I Yeah, this is yeah. a... The song plays on repeat <laughs> for 10 minutes and it has all these CG. They look like sort of like default character models. Uh -huh. So it starts off with a mammoth fights a T-Rex and then Godzilla fights a T-Rex and then Spinosaurus fights a lion and then a gorilla fights a T-Rex and then a saber-toothed tiger fights a T-Rex. <laughs> occasionally it intercuts to a T-Rex dancing on a poorly rendered hand. And then a, t a gang of T-Rex skeletons Fights a gang of good good animals. Uh, and then after 10 minutes, it cuts to generic dramatic music with growls and grunts. And then at the 18-minute mark, it cuts back to Daddy Finger. Uh, a lion watches a car drive by with a cartoon dinosaur and rabbit inside. And these aren't like the same models. These look like cartoons now. 
What does then, this have to do with Daddy Finger? And I don't what know. Is Daddy just, Finger. There's you haven't heard the Mommy Finger Daddy Finger song? No, I've heard the song, but like, what is it? What does it mean? Like, why? It's like I learned a count song. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So like, Tranodon fights through Christmas Town, eats a deer, skeleton dino chases an empty SUV. The T-Rex is back, and then uh, there's a family of mammoths that's like literally mauled to death by a T-Rex, and then an army of hundreds of gorillas fights an army of T-Rexes. Eventually, we have King Ghidorah get on in action. People run from a dragon, and the dragon burns down their house. Uh, And then there's a Tranodon who chases people, uh, then turns them, picks them up, turns them into rabbits, and then feeds them to its babies, or her babies. And then the T-Rex fights a dino balrog and a minotaur. And it fights a, it runs through the city, fights a helicopter, chases a plane, destroys the Statue of Liberty. And, and then a T-Rex blows fire at a business called the Sane Old Place and dances, fights a gorilla, the hand waves goodbye. And then the, but, and all throughout the video, the words baby cartoon rhymes are on the screen. What is so this? This is in for babies. I don't, they're singing the counting song the whole time. I don't know. It's that not like a lot of destruction. Of, it's not like the, the T-Rex, like there's not when they're singing five, right? Or, or like the <laughs> corresponding finger. It's not like there's five T-Rexes on screen. No, it's just like random violence. Oh my God, that's incredible. Uh, I, cut out, like, I cut out like huge swaths of the action of this. Like there's so much that goes on in this video. Uh, at one point he chases Disco, he's chased by Disco Spider Girl for some reason. I don't know. But I think the song is like in the public domain, which is why you see it everywhere. Okay, I see. This stuff is like it's all produced and they just they pump it out, right? And the, and the actual video content as you're describing is not related to the video. No. So it honestly doesn't matter what the video content is. They just put it out there. Well, and the kids like it that's like, "Ooh, colorful dinosaurs eating each other." Yeah. And then I found a video Somebody pointed out to me called Baby Bus. Learn colors mm-hmm. of donuts. And this mm-hmm. was very disturbing. So sentient donuts are being baked in the oven for some wow. reason. Because I don't think donuts are baked. They're sleeping. Halfway through the baking process, they all wake up and start screaming and banging on the door because it's so hot. It's like reminiscent of the Holocaust. And then a bipedal panda walks in the room and they all jump back into place. And then it cuts to them singing and dancing happily about numbers and colors and they jump into frosting. Like, is this meant to be the afterlife? What happened to their agony? Donuts are deep fried, right? Yeah, they're not Which baked. Would make it like more terrifying, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say, as a dad of two girls, I'm pretty sick of princesses. Mm-hmm. You There's know. literally nothing you can do to stop this. It happens. You can be it's, like it's before you have a kid. What? It far predates me as a parent, right? It's been yeah. Around for a long time. You can be a dad and be like. I'm not doing the princess thing. And like, you can, you can say that as much as you want and it doesn't matter (laughs) because your life does not exist within a hermetically sealed environment. And it's pretty cute when like your daughter puts on a princess dress and she's pretending and stuff, but like, are we still okay with monarchies? Apparently the gold girl's like, I want to be a princess when I grow up. And you're like, sorry, honey, princesses monarchies are based on part of an outdated governing paradigm and inevitably lead to corruption and caste based caste based poverty. The monarchies that are still around are largely powerless cults of celebrity based on outdated values and undemocratic pretensions. Also, you're not royalty. And the last person who married into the English monarchy had to leave because she was treated so poorly. So this is that. Why was she treated so poorly, though, Dave? That's right. She was black. And there you go. Kings and queens. Racist don't like ass monarchies. Yeah. That's the truth of it. <laughs>
So have you watched Octonauts? I've learned a lot about sea life because of Octonauts. Like really? Yeah. Well, like we'll be watching something and I'll be like, I know about that animal. I saw it on Octonauts. That's awesome. <laughs> but they have these cre- creature reports where they jump around and dance and play on all these found instruments and they're pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, of all the shows, it it's like positive. It's science-based. Like I get it. I think it's yeah. a great one. So Day of the Diesels, I don't know if it was a movie or a special, but they bring in these diesels and it's like the diesels mm-hmm. versus the steamies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a song that goes with it, Day of the Diesels. And this song rocks way harder than yeah. it has any right to. Is it on the playlist? Like, it is. Uh, so like day of the diesels is, has, I don't know about the episode, but I've heard the song many times. So I'm kind of into the song. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the dinosaur train theme song. Yeah. So I don't know. Does Marlo watch dinosaur train? No, we never got into that. So they, at the beginning of each show, there's this theme song and they explain why there's a T-Rex living in a land, a a family of pteranodons. And, uh, you know, evidently, the mom laid some trend, laid some eggs, and one of them just popped out a T Rex. So, like, was she having an affair? Was she oh, stepping man. out on dad? Like, oh, man. did she steal an egg? Like, either way, this isn't normal. And they never explain it. Nope. Oh dang! I want like. I mean, it goes HBO like two seasons about... before he figures out he's a T Rex. He thinks he's just like a a gimpy pteranodon with no wings. I want an HBO series about mom's affair. Yeah, mm. she's having an affair with a T Rex from like a totally different. <laughs> Different different time period. <laughs> I haven't I mean, heard the Pete, Pete the Cat theme song either. A lot so, of these, I didn't even know they had a Pete the Cat series. So Pete the Cat, the, the show is actually pretty good. It's produced by Elvis Costello, and it features him and his wife, Diana Krall. Really? And Katie Turnstall is on the show a bunch. So like no they way. have some like legit music artists produce the songs, and it's pretty good. And I actually... As far as kids shows go, like I enjoy the songs and all the kid actors are pretty good. They do a lot of the singing and I don't know. They're, they're, it's it's just really well cast. So I'm oh, down with Pete that. I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan, so I have to check that out. Oh, yeah. He plays his dad in the show. And yeah, his his fingerprints are all over it. Okay. I've talked about, we did a whole episode on Rebecca Sugar who produced Steven mm-hmm. Universe. But I mm-hmm. wanted to call out. Stronger Than You and Independent Together, which are both songs in Steven Universe and are both just like really good, like sort of positive, empowering mm-hmm. songs. Independent Together is actually sung by Ted Leo and uh, Amy Mann. No way. Oh, <laughs> man. I love, characters. I love both of them so much. I'm a huge Ted Leo fan. Ted Leo is in my like top five all time artists. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Oh, so man, you would like you would li- you would like Independent Together. On Father's Day, Emily and Marlo brought me breakfast in bed, and I just sat around nice. reading the an article about the 20th anniversary of one of Ted Leo's first albums, and oh, cool. um, and I was like, oh, I'm old. And also, you, you introduced me to Ted Leo. You gave me uh, a, a CD mix uh, that had a bunch of Ted Leo on it, and I really dug it. <laughs> and I know Ted Leo is probably also sitting around going, oh, I'm old. <laughs> but uh, I would implore him to continue to make music because he's amazing. And I just want more Ted Leo. So I'm going to check that out. That sounds awesome. Thanks, Dave. And then Teen Titans Go. I don't know if you've watched that. That's actually mm-hmm. pretty entertaining mm-hmm. as well. So there was a show called Teen Titans. And mm-hmm. it was sort of like this oriented towards older kids mm-hmm. uh, and adults and had sort of more mature plots. And then for some reason, they canceled it. Mm-hmm. They brought all the voice actors back and made a really 
like silly version of Teen Titans called Teen Titans Go. And mm-hmm. it's pretty funny. But there's been a, a song. It's called When the Night Begins to Shine. And it's this sort of like quintessential 80s ballad. Mm-hmm. And apparently they went and dug it out of like the archives. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters becomes obsessed with it. And they've had like half a dozen shows that are entirely based around this song. And it's that's awesome. <laughs> it's it's a pretty good song, but it's it's pretty funny how they use it. Like it gives them power and all this stuff. And it's just like this random song that some people made back in the eighties. That That's yeah. cool. Interesting. See, um, there are some hidden gems within the kids show universe that give kids and adults alike a lot of entertainment value. You, you got to take, you got to take the positive when you can find it, man. Exactly. <laughs> so you have, you have, you've been, you've been working on this for years now, but you have, you've basically written a dissertation on SpongeBob SquarePants. So it's 22 years old. The show's been along around for 22 years. It first That's aired in May 1999. There's been three movies and a theme park ride. And he's up there in recognizability with Mickey Mouse, Pikachu, and Bart Simpson. Like people wow. just know who SpongeBob is. Yeah. So they he, it's an anthropomorphic sponge, a star. There's a squirrel who lives down at the bottom of the ocean in a spacesuit. Uh, there's a crab that owns a a, a burger shop that's inside of a lobster trap <laughs> and uh like are they based are they the result of nuclear testing in bikini atoll the name of the mm-hmm. place they live is bikini bikini bottom tom kenny who uh does the voice of spongebob kind of confirmed it but it's not official so mm-hmm. but i in my head canon i choose to think that it's at the bikini atoll mm-hmm. so it's really embodied this idea of like random nihilism more than any other cartoon SpongeBob and Patrick Star, they're both like barely functional adults. They walk around oblivious to everything, doing whatever the hell they want. They've stolen, tortured, performed identity theft, attempted murder, and sexually assaulted Sandy. They mess with literally everyone they meet to such a degree that it can't be unintended. <laughs> Mr. Crab's daughter is a whale for some reason. <laughs> SpongeBob and Patrick both had a child together and was a clam. Amazing. SpongeBob was shown watching Sponge Porn. And they Wait, wrote what is Im- the, I, I, I haven't seen that. Wait, is that serious? Yeah. And it's, they wrote and like, they can allude to that because it's it's sponges. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they didn't actually show the porn, but it was like pretty explicitly like wow. Like he was, you know, kind of sitting there watching it with a shifty look in his eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. The the look you get when you're really like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they wrote David Hasselhoff like a speedboat. <laughs> And under at the bottom of the ocean, there's lakes and fires. So like physics mm-hmm. is like out the window. Mm-hmm. And their ne- ne- nemesis plankton is married to a super intelligent AI, and the voice of this AI is married to the voice of SpongeBob. Ooh, interesting tidbit. Yeah. With all that said, it's pretty entertaining. Looking back on the on the era of of nuclear testing, mm-hmm. and just the the atrocity of that, like the environmental degradation, the testing in in so close to where there were communities of people living and not really caring about the unintended consequences of that or the intended consequences, right? Because, you know, a lot of it was testing. We've talked about this in our episode on nukes, but if you think about this as a show that's that's kind of about the PTSD that's caused (laughs) by testing, it it all kind of makes sense, right? So SpongeBob, he's like, 
the result his mental capacity is like the result when you're too close to radiation when you're pregnant or something yeah i mean it's actually like there's a lot of layers there it's funny that they would choose a kid's show <laughs> to be the vehicle for for this but uh well the guy who started it and i can't remember his name but he was like a marine biologist and apparently when he pitched the show he showed up with like mock-ups of the characters and was wearing a hawaiian shirt and then like played some hawaiian music and was like dancing around i've heard your theory of the sort of random nihilism I embedded mm -hmm. in the show but but do your kids pick up on that like do they understand that the 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 behavior of the main characters is like not cool <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think so i mean it's yeah. just silly to them yeah interesting it is spongebob in some ways uh related to ren and stimpy and that the vibe of that show because i feel like ren and stimpy also had kind of this like when i loved ren and stimpy when i was young i th i think oh. that's absolutely right i mean the creator of spongebob has cited sort of ren and stimpy the ren and stimpy bud buddy comedy paradigm is what he was going for with spongebob and patrick mm -hmm. and ren and stimpy got pretty messed up too at times yeah um, i mean i remember it being really messed up but yeah and then they brought it back years later and made it explicit that they were a gay couple which i thought was kind of awesome that's amazing <laughs> that I think is that's incredible. Which I don't have a problem with them being gay, but a cat and a dog being together, not cool, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it goes against the laws of nature. Um, so let's close it out. Let's talk about some great kids shows. So I think we both love Bluey. Um, yeah, Bluey's pretty great. Bluey's just there's nothing there's nothing negative I could say about it. I thought it was hilarious when Christopher was on and said that there were people who were complaining that Bluey was not diverse enough, and it's kind of like they're dogs. But, uh, now that i know that pete the cat is a show that stars elvis costello and allison cross i'm gonna watch that arthur was uh is this is this the, the old old school show arthur the art of arc yeah from he, like the uh, 90s well it, it was it's still i think it's actually still going or it was still going a couple of years ago wow and you know i gotta say i i i dig arthur i really like his teacher who mm -hmm. He's perceived by the kids as like being this big meanie, but it's sort of in a wink, wink way to adults. Like we see that like he actually loves being a teacher and loves the mm -hmm. kids. And mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's kind of a real realistic way of depicting a teacher. Yeah. Like Mr. Yeah. Rapper's awesome. And we've got Adventure Time, Steven Universe, which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Now, I've heard this name before, but I've never seen the show. So Marlo's a little bit young for it still, mm -hmm. but it's a Nickelodeon show and it's sort of in, done in the anime style. Mm -hmm. And it's just, a, it's a really good drama show that sort of, it's understandable on a kid's level and then on an adult's level. Like I highly recommend Avatar. So not related um, to the, the James Cameron Avatar at all. No. And there was a movie made of it, which but it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which you should avoid at all costs. Like just okay. watch the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and honestly, as an adult, like you would get a lot out of it. It's just a really well done show. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Gravity Falls, I've heard of, but I've not watched. Um, yeah, that sounds a, super cool. Yeah, that one's that one's really good. The Owl House is one of Abigail's current favorites. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that one's just, it's, I haven't watched it, watched it as much, so I'm not as familiar with it. But from what I've seen, it, it looks, you know, really cool. Has a lot of like LGBT like themes hidden under it, and Abigail's really into that. And you know, it's just yeah, she she really digs on it, and is really excited for the next season, which I think comes out soon. Nice. Have you seen True in the Rainbow Kingdom? I have not. 
it's this girl and her friend who's a cat and <laughs> they live in this place called the rainbow kingdom and they solve they kind of solve mysteries and solve problems that arise and they they go to the wishing tree and the wishing tree like listens to what they need it listens to their story and then produces wishes that can help them so when oh. the wishes become the tree kind of predicts or anticipates what they may need. And then while they're solving the problem, they're like, aha, I could use this wish. And so they mm -hmm. make a wish and then there's this little like creature that comes out and like helps them. And it's just really interesting and positive yeah. and teaches kids about resourcefulness. So that's cool. I think, I, that one out. I think that to me, the key to a lot of the shows that are really good is that they they're they're actually like there's there's some core emotional skill they're teaching. And it's not just about like throwing out some random bullshit that keeps them entertained. Right. Like Absolutely. we all need shows to keep our kids entertained and out of our hair every once in a while. But the sweet spot is that ideally it would also teach them something. <laughs> so that's really, I think what you and I want is like for the show to be just be good. It's kind of the same yeah. criteria that we would use for like a show that we would like. Yeah, exactly. Like, I get that it needs to be on the kids' level, and there's not going to be, you know, a lot of the themes that I would necessarily want to see in a show that I'm watching. But, like, mm -hmm. there's no excuse for not having it be well done. Pete, Pete the Cat's a great example. Or Bluey. Yeah, like, exactly. you have this show. There's some obvious, like, real thought and skill that went into putting together mm -hmm. the show. You know, and, and I think that's my problem with a lot of this stuff on YouTube is it's literally just somebody, like, doing some random shit. And they exactly. didn't put any thought into it. Yeah, and you, you know these people are just making millions off it. So, like, at that point, you know, hire a freaking writer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Dave, what are we talking about next week? It looks like the future of storytelling. Future of storytelling. I think there's a lot of different ways that we could talk about it. You know, it, it, this is something that transcends maybe our, our vision of what, of storytelling mediums as they exist, because in the future, there could be mediums invented that we don't even know about yet. Yeah. Well, and I was chat. I remember it's been a couple of years now, but I was chatting with a, a woman who had just started working at UCSD and we had gone through the HR like class together that you take mm -hmm. at the beginning and her favorite, she was really into like she, her, she had just graduated from like the humanities. Like it was like an English major or something, but her favorite poet was somebody who published exclusively on Twitter and Instagram which like I thought was really interesting because that's something that's totally outside my radar. Yeah. There's totally new, new ways to do things and, and, and things are shifting and evolving faster than ever. So that'll be cool to explore. Yeah. All right, my friend, until next week, I am a pixelated middle finger. And I'm zippity doo Doug. And thank you for joining us on planet of the meerkats. Goodbye. <laughs>